Hello everyone and welcome to Shot Reverse Shot. As promised last episode we'll be talking about uh, this year's television. Slightly belated episode I'm afraid. Um, and yeah, why is that Ed? Why are, we, why are we a little bit late? Are we just lazy? Um, well there's always that. It's always an element of anything we do is our inherent <laughs> laziness. But um, for me it's uh, been a busy couple of weeks at work, working sort of 12 to 15 hour days. Um and uh, just not really having the time. And uh, I know you've been busy the last few weeks. So every time we've set a a date for recording, it's uh, kind of not not come together. Yeah, uh, there's uh, a lot to talk about. A lot that's exciting coming up in the uh, kind of TV world. Um, we'll be focusing on some shows that are ending. Uh, one show that has just ended, and uh, some very exciting shows that are coming up. But I would just like to to kind of uh, preface this podcast recording by saying that I've got the TV on in the background, right? And uh, the film Couples Retreat is playing. And uh, I'd just like to say that if I unintentionally lull during this podcast, that's the reason. Um, I'm watching it with the sound off, and obviously we're doing this, but um, I have to say this looks like the best film of all time. Yeah, I saw it a few years ago. I, I, I think it falls a little short of that. Oh, that's a shame, because there's a lot, awful lot of mugging going on during it. Yeah, and there's a, a, a far too uh, brief and all too badly wasted appearance by Peter Serafinowicz in it. Is there? Yeah, Peter Serafinowicz is in it um, as a sort of maitre d' waiter figure who just kind of shows up to pretty much torture people by getting them to do embarrassing things. He's very funny in it, but um, you can kind of tell that he wasn't doing it for the art. Uh, I think all of these actors have... Uh, had their agents torture them by making them do embarrassing things by even <laughs> signing on for this fucking joke of a film. Anyway, um, yes, so let's talk about television. Um, a big show's just finished, Ed. Uh, 30 Rock finished last week, I believe. How did that go down? Uh, it was very, very good. Um, I've been a big fan of 30 Rock since um, since it started. I think you're catching up with it, aren't you? I'm up, I'm up to about halfway through Series 2, but my bloody housemate who's got all the DVDs just moved out, so... Uh, <laughs> Um, if only there was some other way I could get a hold of those episodes. Well, sadly there isn't. No. The, mm. the internet doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, which makes me wonder how this is all happening. Mm. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. Um, but yeah, 30 Rock ended after seven years. Um, seven years longer than I think most people kind of expected it to to last, including Tina Fey, who um, was very who said in her sort of memoir, Bossy Pants, that she. Uh, was expecting the show to get cancelled halfway through its first um, first season, uh, so to, for it to have lasted as long as it has and to, to remain as good as it has uh, is uh, is nothing short of miraculous, really. Um, the there was a bit of a lull. Seasons four and five weren't up to quite the same standards, but the last two seasons, and particularly this last one, where they they knew they knew that they were ending because. Um, it was it was Tina Fey and the producer's choice to end the show at seven season seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they essentially were given the opportunity to kind of construct a final season where all the various sort of plots that had been left uh, sort of hanging and all the various character arcs could be in some way resolved. And uh, 
it all came t came together nicely in the uh, in the final episode, which was uh, surprisingly sweet. But uh, considering that Thirty Rock's kind of mainly been a gag machine for its entire time, and not really kind of a gooey uh, feel good sort of show. Hmm. What do you think the legacy of Thirty Rock will be? Uh, I think it's probably going. It's probably uh, already having an impact with sort of people being interested in sort of incredibly fast-paced sort of uh, wacky sitcoms. And wacky is often used in a sort of pejorative term, but I think that's the best way to describe uh, Thirty Rock. It had a very, uh, it ha had a very sort of uh, loose sense of humour. It would, it would enjoy playing with sort of the reality of its own world a great deal and pushing the boundaries of what would be uh, credible within mm. sort of like living cartoon world that it created for itself. And you can see that in uh, shows like um, Community and Happy Endings and um, the recently cancelled uh, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which were all shows that kind of had that same sort of aesthetic uh, where they were technically taking place in a real world, but also would kind of push the boundaries of, of what you could do also in terms of trying to work in uh, sort of very, very dirty jokes, but in an incredibly intelligent way. Mm. Um, which was something that Thirty Rock kind of uh, rejoiced in. So I think it's it, it's probably going to influence a lot of people now who just kind of look at it and think, you know, it's possible to do this sort of thing on a major network and have some degree of success with it, even if it's sort of cult success in the way that Thirty Rock kind of always was. Um, is Tina Fey sticking to television? Is she doing something different, or is she uh, uh, throwing in the towel for the big screen? Uh, she's got a couple of film projects lined up. She's in a film called Admission uh, with Paul Rudd, which uh, is coming out at some point this year. Um, and then she's apparently lining up a project with the guy who directed um, Pitch Perfect, the um, a cappella uh, singing movie from last year, um, mm -hmm. which uh, the details of which are fairly sketchy at the moment. But it looks uh, it looks like she's probably going to stay away from television for a little while at least and. Uh, and stick to films because uh, it's probably, in all in all, probably a, a lighter workload than what she's been doing for the last uh, better part of a decade between Thirty Rock and Saturday Night Live. I worry for Kenneth. I, I do fear for him. Uh, what's he going to be doing now the show's over? Well, he's uh, he's done voiceover work in uh, in um, Wreck It Ralph most recently, and he kind of shows up in bit parts in comedy. So I think he probably will go to that. I think it would be a mistake to try and build a series entirely around him because uh, Jack McBray is a good a good actor but I get the feeling he's probably going to be um, typecast in mm. that sort of role because it's pretty much all anyone really could I could uh, identify him with is those sort of roles. You can even see that a couple of years ago when he was in um, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall where he played pretty much exactly the same character but opposite uh, Russell Brand instead of opposite uh, Tina Fey. Mm. Um, just a little update on Couples Retreat. Uh, they're having an embarrassing yoga lesson. Okay, that's it. That's uh, all I've got to say about that. I'll keep you posted on how that's going. Um, Community's back uh, tomorrow, I believe, or tonight, depending on how efficient I am at getting this podcast edited and uh, uploaded onto the internet. Um, now, is that show returning or ending? I just do not know. It's returning, definitely. 
uh, after mm-hmm. a much delayed start. It was meant to come back in October, um, and then just kind of got shunted back in the schedule until now, which means there's going to be a weird disconnect between the episodes and uh, air dates and their subject matter, because I think they're all kind of like, there's going to be like a Christmas episode and a Halloween episode and stuff, and they're all going to air in the uh, in the spring um, plus, plus the uh, the trailer for it pretty much heavily gags on the Hunger Games, which, when the original series was going to air, w- would have been slightly more relevant than. Yeah. I mean, you, we might have the sequel by the time this uh, this uh, show is. Yeah, you get the feeling it might have been better if they'd kept it until like September, and then it'd be <laughs> able to uh, to cash in on all of that catching fire excitement. Um, yeah, it's. I think there's a sense that this is probably its last go-round. I think, unless it is a huge hit out of the gate, which it seems unlikely at uh, this stage, um, it'll probably not be coming back after this fourth season, which everyone's kind of surprised to see that it got anyway. And um, Mr. Cornelius Crane Chase has uh, departed the, se- the series, has he? Yes, he has. He left... Um, a few, uh, I think it was just around about Christmas was it was announced that he'd left the show, or maybe slightly afterwards, after, um, it's not been revealed why, but apparently he was making some very uh, choice remarks on set uh, that made people very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he just didn't seem to kind of get a lot, he didn't seem to be getting on with anyone, so yeah, he's he's left, um, Dan Harmon's obviously left, was fired, um, last year, uh, I think when you lose one of the sort of key cast members and the main creative force of a series, it's probably not in the best of best state. Mm. I mean, I'm sure it could still be funny because obviously it's still got a great cast and um, they seem to still have a lot of really funny people involved in the writing of it and everything. But mm. uh, it, it does kind of have a sort of a wounded bird kind of vibe to it at the moment. Do you think it's uh, right that it should end now? Um, even though, like you say, Dan Harmon's left and and uh, Mr. Chase has left. Uh, do you think it was always going to be a short-lived, popular show rather than something that ran and ran? Yeah, probably because I think it was always just uh, just slightly outside of people's comfort zones a little bit. I mean, it's not a show that's sort of self-consciously wacky. It's it's actually got very so I'd say very relatable characters and the stories, even if they can be quite uh, adventurous when they tackle different genres and stuff, I don't think there's anything in it that's too inaccessible. But it's ever so slightly outside of the mainstream. I think some people would kind of like dip into one episode, find it all a bit too weird and kind of um, step away from it. And I think that's that was prob- short of... Um, sort of getting rid of that weirdness that made it attractive to people like you and me and all of its many fans. Uh, there's no weird, real way they could have done that without making it um, a worse show, really. Do you think there's a life for Community Beyond its short... Uh, I'm going to call it three and a half seasons, because this fourth season isn't really a full season, is it? And uh, Without Dan Harmon, it, I don't know whether it will be kind of counted as an official one. It will be like, uh, never say never again. It will be that kind of black sheep. Um, but uh, will there be a future beyond it? I mean, will there be... Uh, is there sufficient interest in it? And have the people who are 
involved got the um, inclination to do a film or a spin-off or a minisode or anything like that or do you think that they'll just leave it at, at what it is I think um, there would definitely be interest in it and I think that everyone involved with the exception of Chevy Chase probably really still loves working together and they love the work I think the, the problem is with the sort of the, the legal issues and sort of the um, the difficulty of some of the relationships behind the scene um, if you compare it to something like Arrested Development, which is coming back this year, or the much-talked-about sort of film of, of Party Down, which um, supposedly is going to start shooting this year. There, mm. it was a case of the show ending, but um, all of the sort of creative people uh, behind it still ending on sort of good terms with each other, and sort of they're not... Whereas I think if... Um, people tried to get a film of Community together or to revive it in some other form, uh, it would be difficult to get NBC and Sony to agree to do something if Dan Harmon was involved. Yeah, I could also see it be difficult for anyone else involved in the show wanting to do something unless Dan Harmon is involved. So I think it's the sort of thing where it's... I, I personally think it would be really unlikely for them to kind of do it, unless... As happened with Community, uh, with um, thirty, with Arrested Development. I got it in the end. Uh, <laughs> with, with Arrested Development, it becomes sort of such a phenomenal sensation, sort of after it finishes, that uh, it becomes sort of highly a highly profitable endeavour to actually revive it. But uh, we'll have to see. I, I, in the short term, I don't think that it's likely, but it it, la- it lasts much beyond this fourth season unless. Um, it is sort of surprisingly huge and popular. Um, other shows returning. Uh, I mean, obviously we've got uh, Mad Men, new series of Mad Men coming. When's that due? Do you know? Uh, that is due in May, so we've got a few months. Is it the second to last, or have they not actually put a cap on it? I know that they said that they're doing seven, and that's what people are signed up for. But does that mean they're going to do seven and quit, or I think Matthew- reassess? Matthew Weiner has definitely said that they are they are going to call it quits at seven. Um, whether or not he decides to change his mind in the interim, um, I'm sure AMC would be perfectly happy to kind of keep the show going as long as possible. But mm. I think uh, I think he wants to end it after seven because it's a good length of time. It allows them to kind of move the show into the into the seventies um, and kind of and assumingly maybe even further than that if they decide they want to end it with a sort of a big jump into the future uh, which is kind of how I always imagined seeing it uh, like mm. the final episode would take place in like the 90s or something what well, and we uh, see how, how they enjoy the Manchester rave scene yeah I think so I think that yeah. uh, Don and Peggy start getting really into happy hardcore yeah and they call we could call it Manchester men It'd be brilliant <laughs> um yeah, it, it ended season, the last season five, was it? Uh, ended yeah, uh, on a very kind of, uh, not a cliffhanger, just a kind of very uh, arch po- kind of posing of a question. Um, speaking of which, this is my segue there, do you like that? Um, Breaking Bad, a film, a TV series, sorry, that uh, me and you have uh, talked about in the past uh, and fellated uh, liberally um, is back and is ending and I cannot fucking wait to see it again and see how it all is all going to wrap up Um, when's that going to all be over by Uh, I think it starts up in June 
same sort of the same sort of time it started last year. Mm. And we're gonna get eight episodes, is that right? Yeah, eight, just like last year. So the, the fifth season in total have been sixty episodes. Right. But it's um, over two years. And uh, with that show coming to an end, we won't kind of go on about it because we have, like I said, given it its own special episode in the past. Uh, what do you think the legacy of Breaking Bad is going to be? Uh, I think it's going to probably um, mean that we're going to see Brian Cranston being cast in badass roles for a fair few years to come. Mm, right. Uh, that people will struggle to find a, a role for Aaron Paul as good as Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of TV in general, I think it's just a, it's another step in that kind of idea of, of television as an altruist medium uh, with, you know, sort of strong visionary creators sort of driving it forward in the way that we've seen uh, Vince Gilligan do with that or Matthew uh, Weiner with uh, Mad Men. Um, and I think also it's probably the show that's done the most to establish the idea of um, these sort of basic cable networks as being able to rival the sort of stuff you're seeing from HBO because the sort of the narrative of the last 20 years of television is sort of uh, HBO and then Showtime kind of uh, crashed the party in terms of creating quality television to the extent that they now kind of dominate when it gets to the awards season and Mm. it seems for years that that they were the only sort of game in town really you'd get the occasional really great drama on um, on network television and most of the really great stuff would be coming from cable and then a couple of years ago with AMC um, sort of Mad Men kind of really broke that monopoly a great deal uh, Breaking Bad did the same, has done the same and then you start to see it with sort of channels like FX has also made you know uh, great inroads in that regards as well so I think it will probably be seen as the one of the major kind of uh, steps in that, which kind of culminated with um, The Walking Dead, which is now, by some metrics, the most popular show on television, regardless mm-hmm. of whether it's on cable or, or broadcast. So I think uh, it, it will be seen as part of this whole sort of thing where suddenly it was no longer just the, uh, it was no longer just a case that networks were popular and uh, cable, sh- uh, premium cable networks created like the great art. Now it's kind of got to a point where it, there's these kind of middle ground where both sort of things are happening on the same channels. Yeah, it's um, certainly a very, very healthy state that TV finds itself in. Um, you mentioned it like kind of a little bit uh, earlier, but um, Netflix, the uh, on-demand video service, has uh, taken a step into programming and it has released uh, last week I think it released all of them uh, a its own show uh, a remake is it uh, of the British TV show House of Cards um, and uh, it's um, got pedigree you could say it is uh, directed by David Fincher and stars Kevin Spacey so there's some you know serious chops on the show there um, what does it mean when Netflix does this well, it's the the main thing about it is the idea of them releasing all the episodes at the same time because um, Hulu, the other sort of major on-demand service in uh, in the US, has been producing its own uh, content for the last couple of years. So this isn't the first case of a show of a, of a 
um, of a service like that providing its own content for subscribers. Uh, give us a couple of examples of uh, of Hulu stuff because I've noticed the Hulu logo being on the end of uh, the thick of it. Yeah, they co-produced the fourth season of the thick of it, um, and so that's kind of their most their most high profile. They did a they they've done a, a travel series with uh, Richard Linklater called uh, mm-hmm. Catch Up or, or some, uh, something similar like that. They did a, a mockumentary series called Battleground, which was all about uh, an election campaign which aired um, in sort of early 2000 and, uh, 2012 and then they did a big push for it again in um, sort of October and November I noticed a lot of adverts for that showing up on um, when I was watching the thick of it because obviously the political the election uh, connection there um, election connection obviously a great song from the 70s um, yep. and um so they've been doing these sort of things. Uh, Lily Hammer, I think, was one of theirs as well with Steve Van Zandt. Um, oh yeah. Which was basically Sylvia Dante goes to Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they've been doing that stuff. But in each case, there what they were doing was they were creating these shows and then releasing them on a weekly basis as a uh, as a network would do, as as a regular network would. So people. You wouldn't have to tune in at the same time each week to watch it, but you would have to wait until, say, 1 p.m. on a Friday before you could watch it, and then you could watch it any time after that. So it was still kind of sticking to the old model. What uh, Netflix are essentially doing is that that is saying this makes no sense when you can release it all as a piece at the same time, kind of acknowledging the way in which people watch stuff on Netflix anyway, which is... um, the whole show's up there, so you sit and chain watch episodes of Breaking Bad, Arrested Development, or you know, Cheers, you know, sort of the, all the stuff that they have. Mm. And what it also, what it basically says is that we don't care about ratings, which is a big kind of slap in the face to the old way that people judge success on television. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially saying that they don't care how many people watch a show at a single time. They are perfectly happy for the show to exist on there and that people can watch it at their leisure. So they can watch it now or they could watch it in a year. It doesn't matter to them. Mm. Um, And it kind of fucks with the way in which people judge how successful a TV show is. And uh, the only real way... It's kind of essentially an evolution of what happens with HBO and Showtime where the whole way that they work is that they uh, survive off of... Um, subscribers uh, rather than advertising and I think the main thing that Netflix are hoping will happen with House of Cards and the rest of development is that they will be high profile enough to keep people subscribing to Netflix but also get new subscribers to create more money so they can create more content Mm. Um, uh, essentially and it's it's a big gamble because House of Cards reportedly costs about a hundred million dollars to make. That's um, a lot. That is a lot. It's a it's a hell of a lot of money. Um, I think it's about in line with what a a sort of a high quality high end drama on HBO or, or AMC would cost. I think um, it's probably more than Breaking Bad, but way less than something like Boardwalk Empire or Game of Thrones. Mm. But uh, it is a it's a very big gamble to take, and it is essentially based on the idea that people will that they'll they'll grow the subscriber base through that but at the same time uh, if they get a million new subscribers as a result that would be uh, 10 million dollars right there 
Yeah. So if they could grow it like 10 million, if they could get 10 million more subscribers as a result of these sort of things, then that covers the cost. And then if those people stay, then they could earn like upward, like hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars over the next decade or so. So it's it has the potential to sort of alter the way in which people think about uh, how to release a television. I don't know if, as people are saying, it will kind of destroy the old model entirely because I think there's too much money invested in keeping people stuck to a schedule, a weekly schedule, the way that it is now. But mm. um, it is the closest anyone's come to offering kind of a viable alternative to the regular scheduled programming um, th that we've ever seen, really. So it, it's quite exciting. Do you think that um, as much as the networks won't kind of shit themselves and fold, do you think that the networks might be more open to continuing scheduled programming and then doing something uh, like for, ex for instance community using that as an example doing that as an online only subscription thing uh, do you think that's an option because I mean obviously a lot of the other network a lot of the networks have their shows available through Netflix anyway right yeah a lot of them a lot of them do um, I think it's it's uh, it, if they can work out a decent way of monetizing it which has been the main problem of these sort of things because a lot of networks have it um, experimented with doing online content to kind of supplement their shows for mm. years I remember there was a um, sort of a parallel series to Homicide Life on the Street because um, Homicide Life on the Street was about the sort of the day shift of a um, of a group of homicide detectives in Baltimore and for I think for one season they basically had these sort of little mini shows that aired online, which were about the lives of the night shift. So mm. it was an entirely new, ca an entirely separate cast, featuring different actors uh, on the same sets and their own little mini stories. And it wasn't very successful, but it was like it was an attempt to try and find some way of engaging the audience and and creating something that could essentially act as additional content but also a way of getting in advertiser money through the internet there because mm. um, obviously it's not costing them a huge amount more to just use the same sets and things like that but that's been the main problem is that no one has really figured out how to make a decent amount of money from internet programming uh, yet that's not just creating like a very popular web series hoping that you get picked up for a development deal on television and then you know making money through traditional means. Mm. Um, I mean that you can see that with like the Lonely Island, who started out basically doing videos that showed up on Channel 101, the uh, Dan Harmon website, and then that was one of the ways that they kind of got more popular and eventually could uh, you know get on Saturday Night Live and stuff like that. So mm. I think it's it's it's. We're at a point now where it seems more possible that they could try and do something like that, but I think unless someone can actually work out a viable economic model similar to what Netflix is doing, mm. uh, I think it's unlikely that, that any of the networks will kind of leap at the chance unless they're in sort of like a, such a desperate situation that they'll just try anything, which they're not quite at yet. Yeah, I was just wondering whether like uh, NBC could say to Netflix or something, we'll, we'll, we'll half fund community, you half fund the rest and you get it exclusively all on one day, Netflix get X amount more subscribers, uh, NBC gets a show, 
which um, there'll be you know other revenues from um, you know DVDs so on and so forth that they have to pay half the cost for. I'm just kind of thinking maybe that might be a uh, a way that they might do it. I think that seems that would probably be the most likely way, especially because in the early going, I think it's going to be hard for Netflix to kind of match House of Cards for sort of pedigree and mm. sort of amount of money spent on it. Because I don't imagine that the fourth series of Arrested Development has cost $100 million to make. I imagine that was probably made a little more frugally. Um, but I think that what what you've got there is, on the one hand, like the huge pedigree of Kevin Spacey doing his first sort of leading role in a TV series and David Fincher, and on the other hand, a show like Arrested Development, which can be made for not a huge amount of money, but has this kind of huge built-in anticipation and fan base that has kind of grown throughout in the 10 years since it first appeared on television. And mm. I think that going forward, the most likely sources of um, material for for Netflix will probably be trying to find shows that are no longer on the air, but which have a big enough fan base that they can just kind of get it back into production and start putting up new episodes. I don't know if there are many quite like Arrested Development in that regards, but I could definitely see if they reached an agreement with NBC uh, community falling under that same sort of bracket. Because I mm. think if the four or five million uh, avid community fans wanted to see it, uh, they'd probably be happy to pony up ten dollars a month to go to watch new episodes on Netflix. So, Arrested Development, we've we've skirted around it. It's going to land in May. Um, how fucking exciting is that? It's very exciting, especially because it's so unclear what the show is going to be when it comes back because I think they've talked about how each episode is going to be about a different character so it seems as if they are kind of shaping it to the medium to to suit the idea of people sort of chain watching it in sort of like a five hour stint and watching the whole of the fourth season in one go Mm. Um, in much the same way that the original series was kind of geared towards DVDs and to be rewatched constantly so you could get like the different jokes and the foreshadowing and, and things like that. So I think, um, which is part is the why I'm more excited to see that than I was to see House of Cards because House of Cards is a solid show, but it's still basically a TV show that could have aired at any point in the last sort of five years. Yeah. It still has individual episodes with an, a, a larger arc, but it's not something that you feel couldn't exist on regular TV. Whereas what Mitch Hurwitz has said about what they're going to do with the rest of development, it sounds like something that is sort of new and, and daring. Yeah, and we've got... Um, it's daring also for the fact that it's... Um, they've taken a hugely popular... not Well, obviously not hugely popular, because obviously it would still be on the air, but uh, what's uh, very, very popular with its kind of rabid fan base um, structure and uh, kind of format and they're fucking with it aren't they they're doing uh, a different episode for each character that all kind of come together is that the way I'm am I understanding that right yeah I think they've said it's essentially like a Rashomon sort of thing where you'll, they said there'll be one larger story that each of the characters is experiencing and then they will all lead towards a kind of a, a point at which they all meet which would be kind of like, I think what Mitch Hurwitz has said is it's going to be the jumping off point for the movie, but I don't know how 
like that is to happen. I think what would probably be more likely to happen is that would be the jumping off point for a fifth series where they could perhaps get more people together to do sort of more stuff together in, in smaller groups, similar to how the show used to be. Well, I've got a... Uh, I can remember a show that um, did a couple of seasons and then was uh, pulled back for an interesting... Uh, extra season where it was a Rashomon type thing and it didn't work particularly well and then it did a film which also didn't work particularly well do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no uh, League of Gentlemen oh yes yes you're right they, yeah. they completely changed the format uh, for the third season um, and it didn't particularly work that well no I mean I did I did I, I remember watching it and kind of admiring it for sort of how structurally daring it was to basically say, rather than to, to have these sort of six completely separate stories that then happen to meet at a certain point. But yeah, that, that third series was nowhere near as good as the first two, where they kind of just had all those stories happening concurrent, concurrently. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the, the difference is is that uh, League of Gentlemen is clearly a, a kind of a sketch, sketch-based show uh, with, you know, dozens and dozens of different characters where um, Arrested Development is much more set in uh, who it's talking about. Um, so do we know anything more than, obviously I've heard that Carl Weathers is back, I'm very pleased about that. Um, do we know anything more than, than that great piece of news? Uh, no, I think that they've been very, very cagey on sort of details about plot and, and who's going to be in it. I imagine they'll tr- probably try and get like some of the old regulars like Henry Winkler or Liza Minnelli to try and coerce them to come back because, um, as we were saying earlier about uh, the show, it was a show where pretty much everyone involved really got on well. Mm. So I imagine that, and especially doing it sort of piecemeal the way that they've done it, I think it's probably more likely that they could get people in to come in and shoot stuff for a few days and kind of make little appearances in each individual episode rather than to try and uh, get people on as regulars. Mm. So do you think that um, a decision will be made relatively quickly as to whether they're going to move on with a film or do you think it's something that's going to take a lot more time for them to see how it's gone down with audiences, that kind of thing? I think it's probably going to be a while. It would take a while for them to kind of sort of film out because obviously that would be a case of working everyone's diaries out. But I imagine if the initial kind of reports about how well it's received are good, I could easily see them just renewing it for a fifth season, like very, very shortly after it, it drops. Right. Um, that seems the most likely case as far as I can see, unless Netflix is going to get into film production as well but I don't mm. know how likely that is no I don't I mean uh, if you're I mean, that's the, I mean Netflix is very different in the US than it is here it's only really just launched here um, but where it excels in the UK is just the amount of television that it has it's film library is, is relatively small but it's, it's television library is absolutely massive um, it's the same here it's like there's just so many shows available to watch over here and a, a decent number of films but I certainly know that I tend to use it for watching TV more mm. so I think that having uh, Netflix exclusive television generally tends to hook people more into it you can't there might be uh, a chance that someone signs up for the free trial and they won't be able to get all of the TV that they want to see out of it so they're probably more, more inclined to kind of 
uh, keep their subscription up rather if you just wanted to watch a few films you could just uh, hit it and quit as James Brown used to say um, so uh, those are the the big shows coming back is there any other shows that are returning this year that you think are worth mention uh, there's a couple that have already um, started up Archer has returned and justified both uh, two of the great uh, comedy and sort of uh, drama series respectively uh, both uh, have returned on high form so uh, that's been good to see it's always nice when shows that are have sort of established themselves as sort of at the top of their game come back and there's no kind of drop in quality it's just sort of it, it's easy to kind of take it for granted I kind of got that way with 30 Rock for a while I thought it kept coming back and it was so good every year that I kind of just assumed every episode would be great mm. um so that one, that's been uh, great to see. Um, now I think, uh, and then you got sort of the, the Game of Thrones. Obviously, is probably going to be the really big one. That's uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, mm. I think that one's that one might have been off the air for quite a while at this point. Um, I think that one uh, will get a lot of people very, very excited because that one's just been a sort of a huge out of the box hit for HBO. Uh, more so than I think pretty much anyone expected. Yeah, and it's it's been a hit outside of uh, well, let's say it nerds. Yeah, uh, it's crossed crossed over. Definitely, uh, I think it's the sheer amount of nudity. I think that's mm. the main thing. I mean, some people will say it's probably the intrigue and the sort of the politicking, but I think it probably is the tits. Yes, m- more than I the tits. I'm very pleased to see. Um, uh, it's still going. Uh, the latest season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But I would just like to say that for a show that uh, constantly lowers the bar, um, and you know it's so low at this point that uh, you know it's popping out as a flagpole in China somewhere. Um, but they crossed the fucking line the other day. <laughs> they did something that was so bad. Um, a show, an episode in which um, uh, a ruse was done. Um, by some of the characters it ended with them digging up the corpse of their own mum uh, which which you know it, you know, those guys go to some places and, and this time it, you know I kind of watched it and I was like oh that's funny but you know there's there's not much further they can go now um, ok so we, you know, we've done the, the shows uh, on the way back oh sorry Parks and Recreation that's started up again has it after Christmas uh, yeah it's still going it's still going very very strong there was a a great episode um, just this week uh, in which Leslie and April decided to fight sexism by becoming garbage women uh, and going out which was very very funny there were a lot of uh, great lines from Aubrey Plaza and there was a wonderful uh, subplot in which uh, Ron Swanson has to look after Xena's two young children Um, do you know that Xena's on the show now? Uh, No I haven't seen it since after Christmas uh, yeah, Lucy Lawless has got a reper- recurring role as as uh, Ron Swanson's uh, girlfriend. And Amazing. She's got, she's got two young kids, and uh, they were uh, running circles around Ron. Uh, he was doing his best, but was very much outmatched by them, which was a, a delight to see for a man who's so unflappable. Um, I have to say that uh, before Christmas, um, Leslie Note for meeting Joe Biden. Uh, I think might have been my the best TV moment of the last five years. 
Yeah, I think I said, um, I wrote on, on Facebook that the moment when she says, your name came out of my mouth is kind of <laughs> how I would be, I imagine I would be if I actually got to meet Amy Poole. <laughs> and uh, um, Joe Biden was quite very, very funny in that. He was very funny. It's, very natural. It, uh, it's nice to see that the um, he kind of lives up to the image of him created by the Union. Yeah, which, <laughs> yeah. Which has done, has done nothing but uh, turn him into a kind of comedy icon. Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, all those shows coming back. Uh, what new shows do we have um, coming up this year, Ed, that will be uh, piquing our interest? I think probably the biggest one, because of um, how uh, sort of tied in is the film culture, is probably Shield, the mm-hmm. uh, the uh, spin-off of the Marvel universe. Um, which is uh, a is exciting because it's created by Joss Whedon, who hasn't made a television show in uh, since Dollhouse finished um, four years ago, which mm. doesn't sound like that long of a break, really. But considering that he had a television show on the air almost uninterrupted from 1997 till 2008, I think mm. it's uh, it's it's still pretty big for him to uh, to be coming back. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, there's. It, it, it seems like one of those shows that has the potential to be huge because of how massive the the, the Marvel films are, um, and also considering how sort of there's kind of a dearth of um, superhero stuff on television in general. So, mm. but also, but had kind of having it more grounded in sort of a procedural aspect because it's obviously about the the people who work for Shield. So there's kind of there's a sort of a procedural aspect, a sci-fi aspect, and then occasionally kind of a super heroic aspect to it. Um, there seems to be a lot of potential there. Do we know what Whedon will be doing on it? Will he be show running? Will he be just exec producing? Will he be writing, directing? What will he be doing? He's going to direct and I believe co-write the pilot and mm-hmm. serve as executive producer, overseeing the whole thing. But the the bulk of it is going to be handled by his brother. It's either Jed or Zach Whedon. There's a mm. couple of there's a, there's the whole Whedon clan is uh, involved in TV writing in some way. I get the feeling it's Zach who used to write on Deadwood. Uh, right. So there'll be a lot of cocksuckers. Uh, <laughs> Good. Uh, but he's he'll be kind of there as the sort of overseeing it. But I think for day to day running, it's going to be handled by Zach Whedon. Uh, because I, I imagine Joss is is it Joss or Josh? Uh, Joss. Joss Whedon will probably be tied up doing um, the Avengers 2. Yeah, he's, I guess. Also, he's also overseeing the entirety of the post, all of the post Avenger films. He's not like, uh, I don't think he's completely like hands on, but he's kind of shepherding them all and making sure that they all conform to a certain kind of uh, mould to kind of build up to the Avengers 2, much as he did with. Um, Thor and the event and um, Captain America, where he kind of had a pass at both those scripts. Mm. Uh, particularly Captain America, I think he rewrote quite a fair bit of in order to make sure that it, it they they kind of led up to the Avengers. And he's he's having a hand overseeing uh, Iron Man three and the, the 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 Thor and Captain America sequels. So I think he's he's a very busy man these days. Well, he's he's made quite the commitment to the Marvel universe, hasn't he? Well, you know, I think. Uh, after sort of years and years of being uh, beloved by a small audience but not hugely successful, I think um, be- being given the opportunity to earn enough money to buy an island is probably a nice kind of reward for all of that hard work. 
Yeah, uh, one thing I didn't realise about Joss Whedon, um, and I think I might have done actually, but it just hadn't settled in my head that it happened, is that he co-wrote Toy Story. He did, yeah, he co-wrote uh, and was Oscar nominated for it. Wow. Um, but it's interesting, the thing about that is that his job on that was essentially the same job he had when he was writing on Speed, which mm. was that he was brought in after the, to punch up the script but he couldn't get a credit on the speed because of the WGA rules, but he could get one on Toy Story because at the time, animation wasn't covered by the WGA, so the he was able to be given a credit without fear of losing his membership. Whereas with speed, that was a big thing where he, they tried to get him like uh, a credit and make sure he sort of shared in the uh, glory, but the WGA basically said that it would be impossible for them to do it. Well, I think we've all learned a little something there about um, union rules for writers and also Joss Whedon. Uh, It's nice to know these things. Um, What else have we got coming up that's exciting, that's new? Uh, A a big one for me personally as a Stephen King fan is uh, Under the Dome, which is a a big mini-series event that's going to be airing, um, I think, over the summer. There was an ad for it during the Super Bowl, so I assume it's, it's coming up which is an adaptation of a Stephen King book from a few years ago about a small town in New England, unsurprisingly, um, which gets uh, covered by a mysterious dome, uh, which then cuts them off from the outside world. They don't have any understanding of what's happening. And then suddenly, and then gradually, sort of society falls apart. It's a a really fun book, really rip-roaring, despite being the size of a doorstop. Mm. And... um, I'm really excited to see how that one kind of works uh, on television. Uh, it could be dreadful, but I'm hopeful that it will be sort of, of at least of a quality of, say, the Stand miniseries from the early 90s, where they take something that's got a really solid course concept, get a decent cast together, and make something that's, you know, really fun, enjoyable uh, television. Um, and the Americans, what's what's that? The Americans is um, kind of like um, Homeland 1980, uh, essentially. It's a show about a couple of Russian uh, sleeper agents, one of whom played by Kerry Russell of um, uh, of Felicity and uh, Waitress fame, who uh, are sent to the America. They spend their whole lives there as a couple and uh, are sort of slowly discovered by the US government and then how... They try to avoid being um, found out and have the government, on the other hand, are trying to get them to kind of slip up. I've seen the, the pilot episode, which was uh, inc- incredibly uh, atmospheric and uh, very, very promising. So I'm hoping that that one sort of turns into a, a really, really great show. Mm. So uh, are those both of those two due for uh, end of the year release? Um the Americans has just literally started last week. Oh, okay. Um, Under the Dome, I think it's tentatively meant to be like a summer event. Uh, so I think that one's probably going to be sort of June or July. Right, okay. So there's an awful lot to look forward to this year, is what we're saying, in yeah, short. 
to surmise. Um, so yeah, uh, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this uh, little quick one. Uh, well, I remember the days where a 15-minute episode would be considered feature length. But, you know, for, for us, this is, you know, a mini-sode. Um, so, uh, I'm, sh- I'm not sure what we'll be back with next, but I'm sure it'll be fucking awesome. So, uh, stay tuned for that. So, in the meantime, it's uh, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.